welcome to Grade Sevens Talk to Experts, a podcast where Grade Seven students talk to experts and find out more about their specialty. I'm your host for this episode, Addison, and I'm a student at College Park School in Lloydminster, Alberta. Before we get to our expert for this episode, I just want to share a little bit about, about who we are and what, what we'll be doing in our podcasts. We are a class of 25 Grade 7 students in a non-traditional classroom setting where we focus on experiment, experiential learning using a STEAM approach. That's STEAM, which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Art, and Math. We want to answer that age-old question of why do I have to learn this by directly connecting what we study inside the classroom with the, with the world outside. Um, for our podcast, students will be contacting an expert that they know in their lives. This person could be an expert in their profession or job, or in what could traditionally be considered a hobby or an interest. So without further delay, I am pleased to introduce our expert for this episode, who is an expert on microbiology, Lori Padema. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, let's start by getting to know you. Please tell us about yourself. Well, my name's Lori. I am a mother. I have two girls. and. Uh, Ayla is my oldest, she's 11, and Liv is my youngest, she's nine. We live in Saskatoon, and I am a lab technologist, that's what I was trained as. I was originally trained as a combined lab and x-ray technologist. I went back for more schooling, got more training in the lab, and so I work in microbiology at Royal University Hospital in Saskatoon. And actually, just recently, I took on a new job, so I'm not actually in microbiology anymore. I'm in a, a different lab doing cancer genetics now, but today we're going to talk about microbiology because that's what I know best. <laughs> um, how many people were in your family growing up? Oh, my family. There was, there was four of us kids. I'm the youngest and the only girl. And so I have three older brothers, one of which is Addison's dad, and he's much older than I am. He's 10 years older than me. <laughs> so I was the baby and the only girl, and my mom and dad raised us in Lashburn, huge town. Has anybody been there? Yeah? <laughs> yeah, you've all been there? Most of you? So yeah, I grew up in a small town and uh, my dad was a mechanic and he, um, he worked, he owns the SO in Lashburn on Highway 16 and my mom worked at the credit union for most of her life there. Um, what is your family like now? My family? My, well, I have, like I said, I have Ayla and Liv, and my husband Trevor, he's an engineer, and um, there's only, I only have two kids, I always wanted more, but my two girls keep me busy, so. Um, what do you do for fun in your free time? Oh, I don't have fun anymore, I'm old. <laughs> uh, fun in my free time, I, everything I do, these days is for my kids, probably just like most of your guys' parents, right? So I coach my kids in ball, and I like to go and watch my kids play sports, and I go to the gym, that's one thing I do. And I, I actually play ringette as well, um, as an adult. I'm the old lady on the team, though. I play with some younger girls. Um, what was school like for you when you were younger? Oh, school? Um, school I liked school when I was younger. Uh, growing up in a small town, we had uh, an elementary school and a high school. Um, we didn't. Our school went from kindergarten to grade six, and then we were in high school in grade seven. So it's a little bit different now, right? Your guys' school goes to grade eight, I think, and then you, nine. grade nine, and then you go into high school in grade ten. Yeah. So um, 
school was something that I had to work at when I was young. It didn't didn't come easily to me, so I had to work hard for grades and stuff like that. Um, do you remember anything about grade seven specifically? I do actually. It's funny you ask that because the one thing I specifically remember about grade seven was um, having a lot of absences from school. <laughs> yes, I know it's probably not something that I should be telling you, but in grade seven, I was just like, you know, I'm too tired today or I didn't finish an assignment. And so grade seven for me was, I, I missed a lot of school in grade seven actually, until my teacher, one of my teachers uh, had a meeting with me and told me, you know, that I needed to come to school if I wanted to get through grade seven. And I figured I had good marks. I didn't need to be there all the time, but you know, he basically told me that everybody else shows up and comes to school and I'm not special. So I also have to show up every day. And I did. Yeah, I still remember that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about microbiology and working as a lab technician? Yeah, I'll give you a quick little breakdown of microbiology. So does anybody know what microbiology is? Have an idea? Yep. It's the study of microbiology. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. The study of microorganisms. So there's four different types. There's bacteria, which you can actually see growing with your eye. Um, there's viruses, which you cannot see at all. Uh, we, we have a different um, testing methodology for those because you can't see them. Uh, we have fungus that we work with, which again, you can actually see growing. And then we have parasites, uh, which are things like ticks, bed bugs. Venom. What's that? Venom. Venom? Yeah. Yeah, some of them have them. The character. Oh, oh, I don't know that. It's a parasite? Okay, I like it. So there's like worms and yeah, things. Mosquitoes are parasites, but we don't do too much work with those. We do more like ticks and you can get worms that kind of, you know. Yeah, you can get certain types of worms that invade your body and your tissue. Anyways, I know it sounds, that's what first interested me in microbiology is like, the bugs, They're, it's pretty interesting actually. It's nasty. <laughs> it is pretty nasty. So we have jars at work of like worms and some worms you could stretch out and they would be as long as this room. Yeah. And those worms came from? And those worms came from somebody's intestines. Yeah. It's pretty gross, but it's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. You heard of tapeworms, roundworms? Yeah, pretty nasty. That is gross. Yeah. Um, I'm now going to invite Addie M up to ask her question. Okay. <laughs> Hi, my name is Addison, and my question is, what is the hardest part about your job and why? Oh, the hardest part of my job. You know what? The hardest part of my job, I love what I do every day. I love going into work with bacteria and seeing that stuff, but the hardest part of my job is in microbiology, we get all of the specimens from Saskatoon area and around. So we get about 2,000 specimens every day. So um, the hardest part is getting all of the work done uh, before the bacteria dies. Because as you know, bacteria is a living thing and we only have a 24 hour window to work in it before it dies. 
And so we have to keep it alive every day and work in it. And so that would be the hardest part of my job is trying to get all the work done within an eight hour work day. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what does a typical day working in a lab look like for you? Oh, a typical day. You want me to walk you through my typical day? Sure. Okay. So when I walk into microbiology, I have to key in because I work with biohazard substance, which means there's living things that can cause disease to me or to anybody that touches them or is near them. So I have to, you have to key in with a special key so they know who's going in and out. I put on my lab gown so that I don't get any substances on me and I put on my gloves and I walk into the lab. Now the first thing you smell when you walk into a microbiology lab is it kind of smells like fart. <laughs> yeah, it smells. Bacteria stinks. It smells like bad breath and fart. It's, it's a, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of, if, you're, if you don't like the smell of things, that's kind of the first thing that hits you when you walk in, right? When you think of what causes bad breath, it's bacteria, right? So it, you kind of get that smell. And then I sit down to my bench, which would kind of look something like this. It's literally just a bench. And on that bench, I would have about five or 600 of these plates, okay? And I have them in racks. And each patient um, that has a specimen done, so say if, I, say if Addison had a throat swab done, I would put it to about four or five different types of plates and then I would have to read those. So I have racks full of hundreds of plates that I have to look at and go through and decide uh, what's, what's growing and what's potentially causing a disease in that person and what's normal bacteria. And then based on that, what I see on the plates, I will generate a report to the physician saying that this is the bug or the, the bacteria that's growing in this patient and then I test that bug against antibiotics so that I can tell the physician which antibiotics you can use to treat it. Yeah, so it's, it's lots of works, but it's very interesting and it's very visual, as you can see. So yeah. do you look at the plates under like a microscope yet? Oh, well, you know what, that's a good question. So these, we actually look at plates um, growing bacteria. And Mr. Cron, I could show the kids a picture Absolutely. of what it kind of looks like growing on the plate. I wanted to bring you guys today a growing plate, but I actually can't. Um, just because, like I said, when you're working with biohazard substance, I can't take it out of the lab or I'd lose my license. And I get in big trouble for that, just in case somebody touched it or um, got sick from it. I'd be in big trouble. So Addison's wondering what grows on these plates. So it's kind of like, a jelly substance. Do you guys want me to pass them around, have a look at them? Yeah. So this is what we call a petri dish, right? And within the petri dish is a piece of agar. Okay. So the agar is kind of almost like jello. And there's certain things in this agar that the bacteria like to grow. I hand you guys each one out. Yeah. There's nothing growing on these. These are sterile. But after you touch them, probably by tomorrow, there will be something growing on them. It could be fungus, probably. Then once the bacteria is growing on that plate, you actually take a bit of that colony, that little, you just one of them, 
and you put it into some saline, which is just water basically, mm -hmm. uh, with sodium chloride in it. And then we put it onto a slide and we put that slide under the microscope and we're gonna see something like this. So this is under the microscope what you see. So in bacteriology, you either have gram-positive organisms or gram-negative. So you either have gram-positive, which are purple or blue, and you, or you have gram-negative, which are red. Two shapes, they're cocci, which is round, like you see. That's some more bacteria growing on a plate. This is more bacteria growing on a plate. This is a group A streptococcus, which causes strep growth. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what else that can cause? flesh-eating disease. Oh. Isn't that weird? Yay! Yeah. <laughs> so this is a gram-negative. Yeah, right there. So see you guys see the pink, the, the pink color? No, you know what? Bacteria, that's the beauty of bacteria, is uh, what could be normal, say, in my arm, if I just swabbed my arm and I saw what was growing there, it could be normal on my arm. But if I got it into somewhere like my brain or into my lungs, it could be a pathogen there. So as lab techs, that's what we have to decide. Is this bacteria normal in this area? And if it's not, then we call it a pathogen and then we test it against antibiotics, which is a picture just to the, this one. So, this is an antibiotic strip. It has antibiotic in it. It's a piece of paper, and these are little paper discs. And each one of those discs has antibiotic in it. And this, so I smear the bacteria on this plate, and then I put on these discs, and then I let it grow for 24 hours. And in the morning, I get to work, I look at this, and I say, okay, this bacteria was able to grow, 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 but then it stops right here, and it creates a zone because this antibiotic diffuses out and it stops it. So I know that this antibiotic will work against this bacteria. Whereas this antibiotic, you don't really see a zone there, do you? It grew right up to the antibiotic, so we call that resistant to that antibiotic. And we would tell the doctor, you can use this antibiotic, this antibiotic, but you cannot use that to treat the, to treat the bug. Does that make sense? Yeah? Yeah, it is pretty cool. The one, the other thing about bacteria is, like I said, it takes 24 hours to grow. So that's a long time. So sometimes it can take us three or four days to get the doctor uh, a report of what it's growing and what antibiotics you can use for it. Yeah. So that's kind of a basic thing what I do. Um, so I'm going to now invite Julia up to ask her question. Oh, okay. Hi, I'm Hi. Julia, and I was wondering how COVID affected your job. Well, COVID, uh, well, you know what? Um, I don't work in virology, which is where COVID's a virus, right? And I don't work in the virus department, but it affected our job because in microbiology and the bacteria portion, because they actually took employees from our department and trained them to do the COVID testing. Yeah, so historically, um, we don't test for a lot of viruses because viruses, as you know, you can't really treat, not like a bacteria. A bacteria, you can treat with an antibiotic to get rid of it, whereas a virus, you kind of just have to let it go its course and run its course in your body and hope that you come out on the other side. So there's not an antibiotic you can give for a virus. So 
In that case, it took away from our department uh, because we had to cut back on our testing in the bacteria so that we could do more COVID testing. And did you do any work with COVID? You know what, I've only done, I've, I've done a couple tests on COVID, um, but no, the testing of COVID is kind of boring. <laughs> you basically, um, you're testing for the DNA of the virus and what we do at work is they just do the, you know, the, the nasal swabs and they extract DNA from that swab and it's a chemical process. So um, you, you swirl it around, you add some chemical and in the end you have a little bit of DNA. You put that DNA onto a machine and the machine spits out, you have COVID or you don't. So it's in the lab tech world, it's a little bit boring. I prefer bacteria because I can see it, I can work with it, and I, it's just more interesting to me. Okay. Viruses thank you. are pretty cool though. Thanks. Yes, you're welcome. Good question. Oh, have there been times that you felt discouraged as a lab tech, um, and what made you keep going? Um, yeah, I guess I, I have felt discouraged once in a while as a lab tech, mostly because, um, not because of the work, I guess, more so um, working in healthcare can be demanding, and there's, there's always a shortage of workers, and there's never a shortage of specimens or sick people, right? So I guess the most discouraging part is having a large amount of work, and you want to do a good job, and get those people their reports so that these people can can have antibiotics and get uh, get better. We don't want them to get more sick. So, yeah, I guess that's the only discouraging part. Oh, oh. I'm not gonna invite um, Mickey up to ask her question. Okay. Hi, Hello, Mickey. and my question is: How long did you go to school be to become a lab technician? Well, to be a lab technician or technologist, it's actually two years of school. You do one year of full school. Um, 12 months and you do that in a learning environment in a classroom and they do simulation labs so they'll grow you organisms and you have to figure out what that is and there's five different areas to being a lab technologist there's microbiology which I like to do that's where I work there's chemistry which is uh, the chemical portion of your blood okay so like sodium potassium cholesterol that's another portion then there's hematology which is the study of your blood cells your white blood cells your red blood cells so uh, you would study leukemias with that and there's transfusion science which is the study of transfusions or when you get blood from somebody else to see how it interacts with your blood see if you're compatible to receive a blood transfusion and then there's histology which is um, when, uh, when you go into the OR, and, uh, or if you have a tumor, or anything that gets excised or removed from your skin or your body, uh, and then they look for cancerous type of cells within those, within those tissues under the microscope. So there is many different parts of being a technologist. So I did a year of school and then a full year of working for free. Okay, yeah. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. Um. Can you tell us about an experience where you were unsure, but you chose to participate anyways and gave your best effort? Well, like to do with work? Sure. Okay. Uh, when I just freshly got out of lab tech school, I worked in British Columbia. And there was a remote community that needed a lab tech to go work in their lab. 
and they had one lab tech and one x-ray tech. She was the same person. She did both departments and she had to leave. So they wanted somebody to, to do, to work their lab and x-ray. And I was brand new and I didn't know any of the machines that they had out there. So I said, no, thank you. I, I thought it'd be too stressful to go somewhere like that. Uh, but they really needed someone. So I went out there and I learned a lot. Um, the machine that I didn't know how to work, I remember thinking right when I walked in there, the lab tech left and I thought, okay, I need to read the user manual on this machine because I don't even know how to work it. And it needed calibration, which means it needed to kind of be set to a certain standard before I could give a result. And she literally left right when I was there, five minutes, and within 10 minutes of her leaving, the doctor came in and he said, I have a stat bilirubin on a newborn baby and I need the result now. And I thought, uh oh, I am in big trouble here. <laughs> so I, I said to him, okay, you're gonna need to give me at least an hour. I need to quickly read through this manual and calibrate the machine. And um, I did that and I got him a result, not within half an hour, but within an hour. And he was okay with that and the baby the baby was good. She survived and they shipped her into Kamloops. So yeah, I guess that was something I was reluctant to go, but I, I knew that I had resources there. It wasn't perfect, but made it work. Um, in your opinion, what makes someone an expert and do you consider yourself an expert? No, I don't consider myself an expert. I actually don't really love that word. Um, but I think anybody who's very knowledgeable and experience, I guess, with experience comes knowledge, right? Um, I think anybody who claims to know everything about one thing is probably lying. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think to be to be knowledgeable in an area, you just always want to be growing and learning and wanting to know more. Uh, and there's always something to learn. Everything's changing all the time, especially in technologies like this. Bugs change, drugs change, um, yeah, just even computers and stuff like that, things that you work with, so, so yeah. But no, I would not consider myself an expert. I would consider myself experienced in microbiology. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you think failure has to do with success also? When did you fail and how did it help you? Oh, I think, um, I think to grow and to be successful at anything, you definitely need to have some failure along the way, right? We always, if you can take a positive away from a negative, you're, you're just going to be better off. Um, I actually had a big failure at work about a month ago. When you're a lab tech, the very first thing that they teach you is labeling. So if you improperly label a specimen and say I put Addison's name on my specimen, uh, and then I found out that she had maybe a type of cancer and I put out a report on that. Uh, that could be life-threatening to that patient and also the patient that you mislabeled their specimen, right? They're not going to get a proper diagnosis. So as a lab tech, it's just ingrained into you labeling, labeling, labeling. And I was at work a month ago and I mislabeled a specimen, which is a huge thing. It's, it could be detrimental to somebody. Um, so when I noticed that I had, actually my coworker noticed that it was mislabeled and I've been working in a lab for 20 years, you guys, and I've never mislabeled a specimen, but I did that day. I put 
the wrong label on the top and the right label on the bottom. And when my coworker noticed it, I thought I was going to barf. Like I felt so sick to my stomach because this was a <laughs> this was a specimen that was collected in an OR room. So it's not like you could just go recollect the specimen, right? Yeah. So it was a piece and it was a piece of tissue on a patient. Anyways, long story short is I said that was me. I'm the one who mislabeled that and I called the pathologist and thank goodness there was a little bit of specimen left on uh, that piece of tissue that was collected from the OR. So we, we were able to go back and recollect that and then I re-extracted the DNA from it and tested that one. But that's why I say, you know, being an, an expert or, or really experienced in an area, sometimes it doesn't matter. We all make mistakes and I think the fact that you can own up to your mistake and uh, learn from it. It's a good thing. Sometimes when we do the same thing over and over, we get complacent. We get lazy almost, right? And you, yeah, in, in the lab tech world, you have to remember that somebody's, somebody's life depends on that. So, yeah. Um, can you tell us about someone who you looked up to when you were younger? Um, you know what, I didn't really specifically look up to one person in my life. I had many people in my life, many good role models. Um, my grandmother was one of the favorite people in my life. She was a, a farm wife, but she uh, was always in a good mood, always a positive lady. Um, I had brothers that I looked up to, um, and my dad. I always looked up to my dad. He was a hard worker. and. He always got up and, and went to work and gave his all every single day. And yeah, so I didn't really have anybody specific. I, I tried to take traits away from all the good people in my life. Um, I'm now gonna open the, the mic to the floor. Okay. I'm gonna show you guys a parasite. Brent, just take a step that way. You guys see this? This is a parasite under the microscope. Oh, I know. We call it the cutest parasite in microbiology. This is my favorite guy. His name's Gerardia lamblia. And have you guys ever heard of beaver fever? Have you? It's basically a parasite you can get from water. Water, like out in the stream. Um, yeah, it basically comes from the feces of beavers. Then that gets into the water. And... And then you get it in your stomach, and it overtakes your intestines. And yeah, but that's what he looks like under a microscope. He's pretty cute, hey? So, uh, what, hey, I'm Burton. Uh, what kind of blood would you use for one of the uh, blood ones that you showed us? Oh, one of these plates? Uh, yeah. Yeah? So this, we call it a blood agar, and we use horse's blood to make this. Yeah, so uh, we get the blood and we mix it with basically some gelatin and some nutrients, some sodium, some chloride, whatever the bacteria likes. And then we pour it into here nice and hot so it's sterile, no bacteria growing on it. And then, yeah, we plant our bacteria onto this We're using a loop. So do you guys see this little hole in the end there? How yeah. tiny that is? That's, just, that's all you need to grow bacteria. One of these, if I took one colony and sweep that and put it onto this place, like 100,000 colonies would grow from it. It's pretty amazing. You just 
Yeah, and you guys, you guys know that bacteria is normal on your skin, right? Yeah, I know, you're giving me the frown, like, what? <laughs> it's true, and that's, that's what I love about microbiology is it's normal to have bacteria, and that's why I'm not a huge fan of hand sanitizer because it kills that normal bacteria on your skin. Washing your hands is always the best way. But even in microbiology, I know what's normal on your arm and say what's normal on your butt. So if you're growing butt bacteria on your arm, I know that you, you know, didn't wash your hands, you scratched your butt. But yeah, but the inside of your body is mostly sterile. So you shouldn't have bacteria growing in your brain or your blood or your heart. Uh, but sometimes bacteria can gain their way in there. And then that's when people, um, we call that a systemic infection. It basically means the bacteria has traveled through your body and that's when you get very, very sick and could potentially be life-threatening to you. But most of you guys are healthy. So the takeaway from this is just wash your hands. <laughs> also, what's the most dangerous uh, bacteria that you would experiment with? Oh, that, we, that I've seen? Um, you know what, I've seen, it's called Bacillus anthracis, and I've seen it once in my career. Um, and that's probably one of the most dangerous bacteria I've ever seen. Have you guys ever heard of anthrax? Yeah. Yeah. You've heard the name? So that's actually a bacteria. It's called Bacillus anthracis. And it, it's actually normal in soil. So uh, you could come into contact with it and it could never actually, if you're healthy, it would never affect you. But sometimes if you get somebody who's immunocompromised, which means that their immune system doesn't work properly, if they come into contact with, with it, they could potentially, it could cause them death. So um, that's actually one of the, the most, um, that's probably the most uh, life-threatening one that I've ever worked with. So when we work with that, we double glove, we put our goggles on, we work in what we call a biosafety cabinet. Do you know what that is? It's a big kind of fume hood and you work in there and you work away and there's a splash guard and there's, uh, it pulls all the air up and then outside so that you're not directly inhaling it. But yeah. So if it's going outside, then mm -hmm. technically couldn't you inhale it outside? Well, bacteria actually doesn't create spores. So what that means is it's not airborne. So no. It's just, it's kind of just taking, say if bacteria, that's another thing I like about it. You see, well, the picture's not there, but remember the colonies? Mm -hmm. So bacteria is not an airborne thing. So when you're working with it, you can't inhale it really. Um, whereas a virus, you can. Yeah. If the virus is airborne. If the, yeah, if the virus is airborne and it's a lot more, a virus is a lot smaller than a bacteria. Okay. You can't see a virus to the naked eye, can you? Yeah, that's right. Just under the microscope. Yes, yeah, you're welcome. Good question. Uh, a character in a book we're reading uh, in the class yeah. has ductal adenocarcinoma. Do you know anything about that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Carcinoma, that's, that's like a, a type of cancerous tumor. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about this character. What's how did they get that name? What? Like what? <laughs> yeah. Like what is it? Say it again. Uh, ductal adenocarcinoma. Ductal adenocarcinoma. Okay. Well, this is a character's name. 
No. Oh, I'm missing this. Oh, a type of cancer. I thought you said a type of character. No, I said what? a character in a book reading. Oh, a type of cancer. Hand. Okay, so yeah, a carcinoma is a cancer, so it would be a growth. And ductal adeno? Uh, ductal adenocarcinoma. Adeno? So ductal means it's in a duct, okay? And adeno would probably mean maybe, is it adreno? A-D-R-E-N-O? Yeah, the book says adeno, and we're wondering if it's like uh, I was going to say maybe pancreas. kidneys. Oh, it could be. I'd have to actually Google adeno. So, but you're right. Most most words like this in 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 medicine, you can break down into medical terminology. So, ducto means it's in a duct. Adeno would be, well, it depends. And carcinoma is usually a growth, a cancerous growth. So it'd be a cancerous growth within a duct connected to the adeno, whichever that is. Somebody Google that. <laughs> maybe like Mr. Kron says, maybe adeno is pancreatic, pancreas. Yeah. Or what did you say? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, it's pancreas. Pancreas. It can occur in several parts of the body as well. Yeah. Good question though, you got me thinking. <laughs> Hi, my name is Brett, and what is the rarest bacteria you've analyzed, and what is the most common? Oh, the most common, I would have to say, is Staph aureus. Have you guys ever heard of Staph infection? Yeah. Yeah. So Staph aureus is a very, very common organism, and it's common as normal flora, which means that we actually probably have Staph aureus growing on us right now. And it's also the most... <laughs> and that's okay. You want it, because it fights off even worse bacteria. Um, but sometimes if you're immunocompromised, if you have a, a poor immune system, or if you get that Staph aureus in, in a place where it shouldn't be, like we were talking about your brain, or uh, if you've had a puncture into your skin and it, it, it works its way down into that wound, then it can actually start causing disease. Um, and I think the other, the other question, Bacillus anthracis is probably the most pathogenic organism I, I've worked with. There's another couple, um, Francisella, Tularensis is one, and Brucella, but I don't know how to, there's nothing that I can really relate that to for you guys. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Hi, I'm Callie, and do you work with any dangerous chemicals? Oh, yes, work with some dangerous. We work with flammable chemicals um, to do our like this little guy, when we put him on a slide, we stain him, which means we color him so we can see him. So we put on chemical, it's called crystal violet, and it's carcinogenic, which means it can cause cancer. So when we're using uh, chemicals like that, we just have to make sure that our bare skin's not touching it. And uh, we also, when we put this guy on the slide, for example, we use uh, certain types of alcohol um, to make sure that he's dead on there and those are really flammable. So those types of chemicals we keep in a flammable cabinet. And yeah, yeah that's a good question. Thank you. Yeah, so we do work with some nasty chemicals. Um, my name is Aiden and it, if eczema is a type of um, virus or parasite or whatever it is, um, have you ever worked with it? 
Uh, you know what? Eczema, I think, actually, eczema itself is more of an autoimmune disease, which means that your body's kind of attacking its own cells. So, um, but with eczema, if somebody has that uh, eczema on their skin, um, their skin can become open, right? Have you ever seen eczema? Yes, I actually have it. There you go. So eczema, it's not caused by bacteria or a virus, but what can happen with eczema is your skin can get kind of sore and it can kind of get open, right? And then bacteria can gain its way in there. The normal bacteria on your skin can sometimes gain its way in there and then it can cause an infection, maybe if you're not, if your immune system's not working that well to kind of fight it out of there. Um, so that, have you ever had infection in your eczema? Um, I don't think so. No? Even if I did, I'd probably forget. Yeah, and you know what, you're healthy, so your body would probably fight that off. But again, it's another thing where, you know, we have bacteria under our fingernails and on our hands, so if we're ever going to, if we have a wound or something on our body, you know, it's, it's always a good thing to wash your hands and, and, you know, not scratch it with your dirty hands and stuff like that. Yeah. Good question. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Dan, and my question is, how is your current job different from being a lab technologist? Oh, the one I'm doing right now? You know what, I'm still a lab technologist in what I do. Remember how I was saying there's different areas of being a lab technologist? I've just moved to a different area. So what I do now is I look for, um, do you know what genes are? Genetics, DNA? Yeah. yeah. I look for in people, in their tissues or in their blood, I will uh, look for DNA uh, markers that cause cancer. So I'll look for cancer DNA in those patients. So it's completely different than what I than microbiology. Um, it's all at a level that you can't see anything, not even under the microscope. So um, it's a lot of di it's working on machines and stuff like that. It's but it's very very interesting. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. Hi, it's Addison Hi. again. And I was Hi, wondering. Oh, well, <laughs> a lot of Addison's in this grade. <laughs> oh, I was wondering, like, when you like are working with some of the bacteria, like, mm -hmm. have you ever got sick with one of them? You know what? I haven't, but I have a coworker that has. That's a really great question. So back when I started in microbiology, we didn't even wear gloves. How disgusting is that? Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> because the bacteria grows on the plate. So you're not touching the plate, really. You're kind of working with it. And you have your, your, we call these loops. You have your loops and you pick off bacteria and do tests with it to try and identify that bacteria. Um, but I had a friend who was working with Shigella. Does, has anybody heard of Shigella before? Or Salmonella, have you heard of Salmonella? Yeah. Okay, so Shigella is very similar to Salmonella, except worse. Yeah, so if you have Shigella, you'll be, you know, sitting on the can for a couple days and you'll be sick to your stomach, very, very sick. Um, and she infected herself with Shigella. Yeah, so she must have got a little bit on her finger and then somehow it made its way into her mouth and she ingested that and then she got Shigella. Yeah, it's very sick. And I have another story for you guys, okay? This lab tech, I learned this when I was in lab tech school. There was a lady, she was a lab tech, and she did not like her coworkers, so she baked them brownies. Oh. Oh. Yeah, you know what she put in there? Salmonella. Oh. Oh. That's, That's right. So she basically poisoned her own her own coworkers, and she actually went to jail for that. That's me. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
how would you go about dealing isn't that crazy that, like like if something did get on you oh if something got on me you know what and that's that's the beauty of bacteria is if we get bacteria on our hands we don't worry about it we just wash our hands just like bacteria it's not going to invade your skin right then and there it takes sometimes time right so if I know that I've got a bit of bacteria, I've splashed some in my eye before, I just go wash that out with water and hope my immune system kicks in to fight that Do off. Do you just wash your hands after every time you work? You know what, I wash my hands probably 50 times a day at work, yeah. Every time I can't leave the lab without washing my hands, when I come into the lab, I wash my hands. That's why I have old lady hands. Yeah, Thank you. they're nice and dry. Good question. Hi, um, my name is Nixon had a very good question in relationship to that. She's okay. like, well, how do you bake brownies with salmonella, salmonella oh, in it? Because it would be you think killed. it would kill them. Right. Actually, that that is a great question. Who had that? Nixon, right there. Nixon. Actually, bacteria. It, that was a really good question. Bacteria, depending on the bacteria, some of them actually they adhere or they change to their environment, and salmonella is one of those. Uh, it actually creates, it has a little, um, what do we call it? It's kind of like, it's kind of like it's armor that it wears on the outside of it as a bacteria cell. And you need very, very, very high heat in order to kill that. So that bacteria would have survived that. Yeah, in the, in the oven. So, yeah. And, and the reason is, is because it was a, a quality control strain, which means nothing to you guys, but we use it in the lab to kind of um, make sure our media is working properly. So that bacteria in itself was a really nasty one because we use it for certain tests. So it did have an envelope on the outside of it that made it very hard to kill, resistant. And so it was resistant to heat as well. Yeah, good question. But not all bacteria is like that. So every bacteria is different. And that's what I love about my job. It looks different and acts different. Okay. Hi, my Hi. name is Esme, and what do you find the possibility of the zombie apocalypse happening? <sighs> I just like to know, you know. Yeah, kind of like you just never know. <laughs> no, I don't prepare. believe in a zombie apocalypse. You just have to prepare for Are you thinking? Mm -hmm. Are you thinking well, for you real? Know, the Walking Dead, you know, just kind of got me anxious. Are you watching The Walking Dead, girl? But you said yeah, it wasn't airborne. It, it's not airborne, no. so we're fine. Bacteria is not airborne. No. Okay. Bacteria you. is not aerosol. Yeah, good question. Funny. Huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay. I love it. Got more questions, okay? So, would you put, uh, for this right here, mm -hmm. would that be a, would you put specimen, like oh, live specimens this? in that? Or would you yeah, put bacteria? Yeah, this is exactly, you'll go to the doctor and the doctor will say, ooh, and you'll say, I have a wound on my arm, okay? So he'll take out this swab, which is sterile, which means uh, it's been either heated or chemically treated so that there's nothing on it, no bacteria, nothing. And then he will swab your wound and then he just puts it into this container, which in the bottom of this container is a liquid. And this liquid just basically keeps the bacteria happy and living uh, so that when it's in um, transportation to the lab, it can live like, you know, four or five days in there. Because it's got to go from the doctor's office to the lab and then from there, so it would go like this, swab you. Go in there and then we just break that off. So now it's living in there. It caps it, and here's that specimen. So you could take a specimen from your skin. Uh, if you're in the OR, you could take a specimen from inside of your body. Yeah, they can actually take pieces of your tissue. Like we get chunks of arms, we get toes at work. 
Toes. <laughs> yeah, some people lose their toes because of bacterial infection. Yeah. So what do you do from the garbage? No, we, we, we grind it up. And then we plant it on a plate like this, and then we see what kind of bacteria is growing on it. And we give a report to the doctor saying, this person's toe was growing staph aureus, and here's what you can use to treat it. Because chances are, if their toe's fallen off, it could potentially um, to go to other parts of their body. And that's usually in people, not you guys, not healthy people. You guys are all good. Um, that's why it's important to keep your immune system healthy, to wash your hands, and to stay healthy. Yeah, you want your body in the best working shape because the best defense against pathogenic bacteria is your body, your immune system. Yeah. So these are very, very sick people I'm talking about. Unless it's food poisoning, anybody can get that. Salmonella, Shigella. Don't want to eat that raw chicken. <laughs> also, um, wouldn't the back to the yeah. salmonella and brown Oh, sorry, thing? let me finish this. Oh. I forgot. And then I take this when I get it okay. in the lab and I put it onto multiple plates and I spread it out. So I would take this Please thing test and I would do that. I'll, I'll throw this out. Okay. And then I take this and I streak it out and there's literally nothing there. It looks like it's nothing there. And then I put it in my incubator at 37 degrees. Do you know why I would put it in at 37 degrees? So to keep that it living. It doesn't to keep it living because that's where it likes to live. That's what your body temperature is, right? So you want to treat it just like your body. And then the next morning I would come to work and I would have bacteria growing on there. Yeah. Also, so for the brownie thing, yeah. Would wouldn't the other chemicals like the flour in the brownie, wouldn't that uh, affect it? Affect the bacteria? Yeah. Well, that all depends on the bacteria, but the funny thing about bacteria is they're living, right? They're living microorganisms, and they like the same nutrients we like. So they like, um, say if you had, I don't know, vitamin C, um, or anything that you can maybe get from that, sugar. Bacteria love sugar. So if there's flour and sugar in there, it just grows even more, keeps it healthier. That's actually some of the stuff that's in these plates. Um, this is what we call a chocolate agar. And there's no chocolate in it. But it looks like <laughs> But it does. But what this is, it's actually blood as well as in there, horse's blood. And then they heat it so that it, it turns brown. But when they heat the blood, it releases enzymes um, that help the bacteria to grow. So yeah, it's kind of different. So we have hundreds of plates and depending on which plate the bacteria grows on, that helps us identify the bacteria. Um, like Staph aureus, for example, will not grow on this plate, but it will grow on this plate. So when I'm looking at all my plates, if it's growing on three plates out of five, it gives me an idea of what kind of bacteria I'm dealing with. Yeah, and then it's like a puzzle. Then I look at it under the mic, and I see if it's gram positive or gram negative, and then I do some tests on it, some biochemical tests, and see um, what's positive and negative for it. I actually wipe it on paper and with chemicals. And then uh, based on that, once I have an ID, I'll let the doctor know that, and then I test it against antibiotics. Thank yeah, you. It's pretty cool. So it's lots of work for one specimen. Hi, my name is Brett, and uh, with the brownie, how lethal would the bacteria be to them? You know what, that bacteria specifically wasn't lethal to them, it just made them very, very sick. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they were, 
bad diarrhea and throwing up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what would what would the purple agar be? Or? Oh, this pair. This this is what we call a sodium pyruvate agar. So it has um, well sodium in it, obviously, and pyruvate, and. Um, this, the color of it is actually a color indicator. So certain bacteria, um, the bacteria we like to grow on this is called Actinomyces Israeli. Um, and it grows on here uh, as yellow. It turns the agar yellow. Um, but yeah, in every single one of these, there'll be sugars as well. And so, yeah, that's what's in there. Okay, thank you. Yes, thank you. Pardon me? Was like the red and brown when we were passing along had like actual horse blood in it? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's sterilized. Um, all of these agar, because in blood, blood has nutrients in it too, right? Yeah. Um, have you ever been It's not going to affect you. It's sterile. It's, yeah. It's, it's all been, sorry, it's all been sterilized. So there's nothing in here that can harm you or anything. Have you ever been super eager to see what the bacteria's outcome will be? Oh, yeah. Like the results? That's, that's, yes. That's what I love about microbiology is I might have an idea of what it is, and then I maybe streak it out the next day, and I put it in the incubator, and I'm like, I can't wait to see what that patient has. Um, some bacteria is way harder to identify than other bacteria. So, yeah, it's really interesting. And every single person grows different bacteria. So every single specimen you look at is completely different. And yeah, it is exciting. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Hi, it's Addison again. Oh, oh hey. Um, and have you ever tested, like, for looking for one specimen and then found a different one that you weren't, like, expecting? Oh, like, found, you know what, that's a really good question. Yes, I found bacteria growing in specimens that I was like, how did that bacteria get in here? Uh, one specifically is a bacteria that you don't normally see on humans. You see it in dogs in dog's mouth. Um, it's called Pasteurella maltaceta. And um, I've seen that in people's toes. Yeah. So what is that telling you? The dogs. That's right. The dogs licking their toes. And not just like a toe. Like if a dog licked Addison's toe, it's, she's going to be fine. She's not going to get an infection. It would be somebody who's very sick, who maybe has a wound on their toe, and their immune system is lower. Then the dog licks their toe, and this bacteria takes over. So, yeah, you do get surprised like that very often. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Hi, I'm Jackson. And if there's, like, bacteria, like, on my hand, yeah, why isn't totally it just, like, is. growing on my hand? Oh, why doesn't it grow? Well, because it's not... That's actually a good question. Why you're not seeing a colony grow on it? Yes. Yeah? Because it doesn't have all the nutrients um, to actually create. Because remember how I said one colony is about a million bacteria? You're not going to have that much on your hand. And also, the skin's not really a hospitable host to grow that. Um, yeah. So you just don't see it. Yeah, cool. Very good question. Have you guys seen fungus grow grow at home though? Yes. Yeah. I love fungus. Yeah, fungus is a really cool thing, and fungus can actually be airborne. It can have spores. I worked in fungus as well, and that's super fun too. Uh, what would be some symptoms of someone who has a tapeworm? Oh well, they'd be very very skinny. They wouldn't be able to gain weight, and they'd be very sick. So what what a tapeworm would actually do is it's it's living off of the nutrients that you're eating. So if you eat an apple and those nutrients that normally go to your tissues in your body, that tapeworm's eating all that up. 
So you, you basically become malnourished, which means you're not getting enough nutrition to sustain life. Um, so yeah, it could kill you. Yeah. If you didn't get it treated, but I don't think you guys have to worry about tapeworms. So in, in a lot of other countries, worms are kind of, some people live with worms and they don't even know it for years. Um, not in Canada per se, but in lots of countries where their water isn't uh, as clean as our water. Um, and that's where you get parasites and worms and stuff like that. So, but yeah, good okay, question. Yeah. Do you test bacteria from like animals? You know what? I don't. No. Um, there are microbiology labs that work um, with animals in the vet college. I think at in Saskatoon at the vet vet medicine, they have a microbiology lab. Yep, designated for animals. That's a really good question. So you can take it that way, and you can do you can figure out what kind of uh, infection your dog has. I have a coworker actually that her cat had a, a UTI, which is a urinary tract infection. Um, so she brought in her cat's pee to test. So we did do that at work, but <laughs> we don't normally. Yeah. But yeah, it's the same sort of thing, just different bacteria. Yeah, my dog has an, he's an EPI dog. Like he has. Oh, what's that? It's something with his enzymes, and he wasn't born with the enzymes oh, okay. that he needs. Yeah, so he can't fight off infection, and yeah. does he get infections quite often? No, it, he just can't break down, like, his food. Oh, yes. Yeah, I guess so, that's what enzymes do, right? Yeah. They break down food and stuff so we can digest it. Good Thank question. You. You're welcome. Hi, it's Hi. Jackson again. And, like, besides swabbing, yep. what are other ways that you can get bacteria? The way that we can get it at work? We can get pieces of tissue, that's a really common one. So like I said, if you go into the OR um, and the doctor takes off, you know, like I said before, your toe, or if you have an infection uh, that won't heal itself, maybe in your arm, he can take a piece of that skin and send it to us. So we usually either get um, blood, blood from, from your blood, if, if they think that you have a bacterial infection within your bloodstream, because your blood should not have bacteria in it, that's not normal. Um, so very, very sick people will get blood infections. So we'll get blood, we'll get swabs from wounds um, or closed space, we call it, which is like deep wounds in your, in your skin. Um, and then we get tissues, which could be, yeah, taken in the OR from doctors. So like three things just... we get. Oh, and CSFs. Do you know what a CSF is? Uh, no. That's spinal fluid. So it's the fluid that, that protects your spine. So if they think you have meningitis, have you guys heard of meningitis? Yeah. No. Yeah. No? It's basically a life-threatening disease when you get bacteria in the fluid around your spine and it can travel to your brain. And that, again, is I'm, I'm telling you guys all the bad things about microbiology, but I want you guys to know that um, it's, it's usually the sick people that, that, um, that unfortunately have to deal with those things. So yeah. you just got like a bag with just like a dude's toe in it? Yeah, a jar. Yeah, it's pretty nasty. Oh, yeah. It's kind of cool. Imagine. <laughs> See, I think it's cool too. I mean, not for the patient, it's not, that's for sure, but um, it is kind of neat. Maybe maybe being a lab tech is right up your alley. Can you imagine examining your own toe in the lab? Um, just a follow up question for Jackson then. Okay. After you've got these samples, yes. after you've used it on agar, yep. what do you do after? What do I do those, after? With those specimens. Oh, with the specimens. Yeah. Well, if it's a specimen like a throat swab or a wound swab, 
uh, something that's easily to recollect, we only keep them for three days. So once we get that specimen and it's growing on petri dishes, we garbage that after three days. It just goes in the garbage. Now something that's collected in the OR or a piece of tissue or a CSF, which is a cerebral spinal fluid, uh, or a blood culture, those are a little bit more invasive, which means um, it's harder to recollect those from the patient. Uh, we keep those for about a month. Yeah. And so we just put them in fridges, in bags, and with a date on them, the date we process them. So um, talking about smell in there, yeah. It's not the smelly, it's not the nicest smelling place to work. <laughs> But yeah, most, most of our, the majority of our specimens are swabs and uh, tissues. That's, we only get a toe every, I don't know, maybe three or four times a week. Uh, <laughs> only? <laughs> like you go into the garbage, you just find a toe? No, the doctor will take it off in the, in the OR. So the patient's toe, if, if, you have some, if you have a piece of tissue that's really infected with bacteria, if you let that tissue stay on that person, that bacteria will just keep climbing up the leg or climbing into the foot, right? So that's why sometimes you have to amputate certain limbs on people. Um, yeah. So I have a follow-up. You're doing them a favor. You're saving their lives. Is that how they would do autopsies? You know what, autopsies, um, we mostly, we do autopsies, we, we look for bacteria in autopsies, and we, we mostly get um, blood cultures, uh, so blood from autopsies, and we'll get swabs. We don't often get tissue from, from autopsies. Sometimes we'll get um, lung tissue, or, uh, but you really usually get like CSF to see if the patient had meningitis, um, things like that. So yeah, those, those are one thing in my, in my lab, I don't, I don't love doing autopsies, right? Because it's it's always sad to know that that's the thing in working in a lab is sometimes we forget that every single specimen we're working on is a real person who has a real life out there and a real family. So that's the one part of my job that I do find hard um, when somebody's dealing with disease like this. Yeah, we have two more questions. Yes. So um, do you guys test which bacterias are compatible with each other? Um. Not really, um, like compatible with each other, like which ones fight the other ones? Um, what do you mean? Like which ones could live in the same space without fighting? Oh, um, yeah, that is part of microbiology. Like if I was to plant your arm on here, when I pick up this plate, a chocolate auger, it grows mostly all bacteria. So I could pick this up in the morning after I've planted it, 24 hours growth, and I could have anywhere from 15 to 25 different type of bacteria growing on here different and they all kind of grow together and it, it's interesting because yes there is bacteria that um, as they grow they produce their own nutrients and other bacteria will grow beside it we call it satelliting and um, so it'll grow around that bacteria because it's maybe giving it an enzyme that it didn't have in the agar but the bacteria is producing it and then so that other little bacteria will pop up beside it. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So we call it synergy or synergistic. They work together to grow. That's oh, a good question. Okay, so my second question mm -hmm. is, could a bacteria grow big enough that it comes out of the plate? No, but it can get, the one I showed you on there, you guys remember that Klebsiella that I was talking about, how I told you it looked um, wet? Yeah. And it kind of looks mucousy, mucoid is what we call it in the lab. 
it can actually it can drip off the plate so if I hold the plate like this it literally would drip like snot off there it's pretty disgusting so but but other than that no bacteria usually will stay on the plate also yeah. uh, for these two here yeah. now I could see them mm -hmm. um why do those two both have like I guess it looks like condensation on the top that's exactly what don't. it is okay yeah it's just condensation okay. so um, that's exactly what it is yeah plain and simple it's just water condensation from from the from the agar we always keep all of our agar in the fridge and then we take it out of the fridge and then plant the bacteria onto it once the bacteria is planted on it we put it into the incubator and it gets condensation on it after that as well so okay. we usually just wipe it off okay yeah thank you good question yeah um it's Aiden again and um I've had a wart before too, actually, and I'm pretty sure those are both caused by one of the things you work with. Oh yeah, warts are caused by vir a virus. I actually had um, um, one of the bigger ones. Oh, the planters? Yeah. Yeah. Those are hard to get rid of, but hopefully you'll grow out of it. Hey? Uh, yeah. I had those as a kid too. But as you become, as your body becomes, as your immune system works, eventually as you grow older, hopefully that wart will go away. Yeah, it, it happened when I was around seven, so it's pretty much gone. It is? Well, that's uh, good. Well, your body's yeah. doing its job, your immune yeah. system. It's fighting off that virus. Yeah, I know, they're nasty. They're, they're, they're not nice to have, are they? Yeah, and it was <laughs> on my toe as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, those ones hurt. Yeah. Yeah, good question. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Um, that's our last question from the floor, so we're going to wrap up now. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Well, I just want to say thanks for having me, guys. I was nervous to come, but you guys are so welcoming and made it easy to talk. You guys had great questions, and thanks, Addie, for inviting me. <laughs> um, thank you for coming, Auntie. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. We learned a lot about microbiology. Thank you to my classmates for the questions, and thank you listeners. Have a great day, and stay, stay tuned for the next episode. to hear from you. Send your questions, show ideas, or any other feedback to talkingtoexperts at gmail.com.